Is it okay never to get out of bed again? How did they stretch to seven series of Monarch of the Glen? We're recording this episode a few days before it comes out, actually on the day of the US election. So at the time of recording, we don't know if Hillary won or the Hunger Games won. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be a news-free zone, like Fox News. Yay! What? That's right. Zoom, we zoom, can still zoom. do politics. I made a confident prediction actually on the show a few years ago that Condoleezza Rice would be the Republican candidate. We thought Condoleezza versus Hillary would be this race. That would be good, wouldn't it? Where's Condi? Yeah. Where are you, Condi? We used, we used to, to have, have so much fun. I <laughs> <laughs> love the way that our brains work in that same malfunctioned way. Where's Betty Boo while we're at it? <laughs> Last time you were talking about uh, your experience at the recent ARIA Awards. Oh, yes, yes. Congratulations, again <laughs> for thank your you. self-reward. Really, Let me use the opportunity again to plug my podcast, The Modern Man, but thank you. Will from Bedford has also been honoured uh, similarly. Uh-huh. He says, I've been lucky enough to be nominated for a Student Journalism Award by the British Council for the Training of Journalists. All of the winners are required to give a speech or they're interviewed on stage. Now, I'm not preempting that I've won, but... But I am a bit. But... <laughs> I'm having both my jaws realigned next week Ooh. and may not have recovered by the time the ceremony rolls around. Both my jaws. I didn't realise that the two sets of teeth were considered individual jaws. Interesting. Well, that's because you probably haven't spent as much time in jaw medicine as Will has if he's I got a realignment. Didn't you, wouldn't you say, though, that the jaw is the bottom part of yeah. the bottom teeth and if it needs realigning, it would be with the top? Maybe we'll they're both out of line. It sounds serious anyway. It does, I've yeah. never heard of this double jaw alignment. No. Ollie, answer me this, says Will. How do you give a speech when you can't open your mouth? <laughs> I'm sure there's a South Park answer to that, <laughs> which you don't want to hear. Mm. What are my options? Well, what you could do, of course, Will, is send someone to pick up the award in your place. In the Marlon Brando style. Yes, or indeed in the Ollie Mann style, because Helen, you yes. might recall that I sent Helen Zaltzman to pick up my uh, Guardian Student Media Award in 2002. You did, I believe. I was presented it by Lauren Laverne and Dave Gorman. Oh, wow, what a dream. It would have been a dream, but it was a little bit of a nightmare, because I thought, I hope he doesn't win so I don't have to go up there and it's all awkward. Yeah, and uh, was it? I did. It was awkward, but I th- think it was the first award of the night, so I just said thanks and left the stage. And so the precedent hadn't been set yet that people were giving speeches. What happened after you? Did people give longer speeches, do you they, recall? They did give longer speeches than zero speech. So they didn't follow mm. your lead. Sometimes people see that first speech and they're like, oh, OK, we're not doing long speeches, yeah. which in a way can be quite helpful. It was another suggestion, Will, I would say, make sure you speak to the person who might win first mm. and tell them to set that short precedent. Although I've been at award ceremonies where speeches are not allowed. And there is something missing about that. I agree. The the train of thanks, that is boring. Everyone agrees it. But still, it's just just watching someone holding a trophy. You could just look at a flick book of that. I agree. And I think you need uh, the option of 10 seconds of boring so that when the sixth person stands up and says, free the dolphins, everyone's Mm. like ruffled. Yeah. They need Mm. the place to say free the dolphins. If they just stand up and shake a hand, it won't happen. Or someone getting up and slagging off whoever it was that was employing them at the time when they did the work that has got them the award. Yeah, the Too Many Drinks Award. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an idea for Will, though. I think it's a step beyond doing what you did. Because you were busy, weren't you? You were in a play the night that you won an award. How how is a student busy when they go and pick up a student media award? But I was in a student play. I had to choose. It was really difficult. This was the highlight of my life thus far, age 21. Is I remember I got the call on my birthday. Wow. It was my 21st birthday, and I got the call saying, um, you've been cast in West Side Story at the Oxford Playhouse. A big show, You're big venue. Doc in a student production. Very nice. 
but I knew that that meant I couldn't go to the Guardian Student Media Awards, which I was also very excited about. Not because I thought I'd win, just because I'd be in the same room as Mark Lawson. And James Brown, former editor of Loaded. Oh, really? Who I met, and I thought he was a student, even though he must be 45 at the time. I had a Twitter spat with him since. I've oh. never met him. Well, it was about the price of sandwiches in Clissold Park. He thought they were unacceptably high. I was like, that's gentrification, mate. Get used to it. You live in N5. <laughs> anyway. I think we know who won there. You know, part um, of the problem, part of the solution, James Brown. Um, because you didn't supply me with a speech. And when this show won a Sony Award in 2011, where Martin and I are on honeymoon, I gave you a speech and you didn't read it. I didn't read it. Even no. though it was basically a one-liner. Yeah. What does it say? I think it said, because the awards were on Ollie's birthday. Again, another event on my birthday, yeah. It just said... Is this the right time to tell you I haven't got your birthday present? Which is really funny. But I, yeah. I and I should Bottled have trusted it. Helen Bottled to have written it. something funny. But of course, I just, after all mm. that time, I know. and as a gold award winning entertainment podcast, you still didn't <laughs> trust me. Um, so he didn't. Uh, he bottled it. Yeah. Because I thought, Ollie can deliver that, and it's short, and it's representing me being there, whereas actually we were on honeymoon in Montana at the time. So my idea for you, Will, is get somebody to be your speech body. So you both go up on stage together mm. and they recite some words that you have told them and you can do facial expressions maybe some hand gestures <laughs> so you can explain that you can't talk at the moment because you're having your jaw realigned and that will automatically add some humor to your speech which will be very right. necessary yes and then if your jaw's fine you've got the speech written already i once did a pre-radio interview so this is so listeners if you're ever called to be on a big national station they often do a little bit of research with you on the phone first to check that you're going to say something sensible sometimes for longer than the show is <laughs> yeah sometimes you're clearly just satisfying the whims of the uh production assistant who just wants to speak to you anyway and it's nothing to do with the show yes um do you get that a lot this happened to me the other week i was on late night woman's hour which was super fun yeah also with lauren laverne uh-huh. it was great did you remind her of when you met playing me 10 years previously <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't yeah. uh, i thought that would be worse than not bringing that up mm. um but um it was a very interesting late night woman's hour and we were talking about the concept of home which mm. uh, has been uh, on my mind uh, recently since you don't have one since i don't have one but not in a tragic uh, Calais jungle way no, we're not I appreciate my luck but on the phone they'd said oh it's going to be about crafting and the, <laughs> the percentage of Instagram users that are female and uh, whether that influences you know whether craft is is alienating to men yeah <laughs> none of that but we talked about that for an hour how many users on Pinterest are f- uh, female yeah. on the phone to the producer beforehand and you've got to bullshit it haven't you because you've got to get through that stage so that you can be on the radio and talk about the interesting thing <laughs> and it's like a test isn't it it's like sitting an exam I was doing a pre-radio interview once for the Jeremy Vine show, which is particularly difficult because you know they're always looking for one side of a debate. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, researcher called me up and said something like, um, hi, yeah, so we're doing this item about whether or not you think all dogs should be banned from parks or something. And you know that the researchers <laughs> heard me, like, rant about dogs and how I prefer cats and therefore wants me at that point spontaneously to be able to do 10 minutes on why all dogs are terrible, which, of course, I don't believe. But you think, well, I've got to ramp this up, otherwise they're not going to put me on the radio. So I was in that position... But I had whitening strips on my teeth. <laughs> and I picked up the phone because it was an unknown number. I didn't Hello? think it would be a researcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, dog. <laughs> get rid of the wall. Kill the dog. Uh, the thing is, when you're in the park and you just want to go for a walk, it can be very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I had to take the whitening strips off during the conversation. I don't think they heard me, but it was that thing like when you go for a wee during a phone call and you're not 100% sure you've covered it up. Don't you mute? 
on your phone. No, I don't do that, no. I'm just pouring myself a really big glass of water. Hang on. <laughs> I suppose I'm always talking too much to allow enough of a pause for me to mute. And did you get on the show to talk about dogs? Um, I think I did on that occasion. It wasn't wow. dogs. I can't remember right. what it was, but, you know, should Some... there be more leaves in autumn or whatever the fuck it was? <laughs> no! Ban them! <laughs> how, how do you feel about the saying of things you don't really believe in to get on the radio? I suppose you've already endorsed that practice. I never do it when I'm on the radio. I only do it in the pre-research chat. I tell them what they want to hear to get through the gate. And then when I'm on the radio, I tell the truth. Yeah, (laughs) Very good. And then afterwards, they're like, you traitor, Ollie. Fade his mic down. Fade it quick, quick. (laughs) He's saying dogs are fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I've I've filled seven minutes of uh, airtime about leaves or dogs or whatever it is. And no one's dead. (laughs) That's all they want, really. Hi, this is John from Portsmouth. Um, I've just eaten a banana. And I'm looking at the skin, which I haven't thrown out the window of the car because I'm going to put it in my bin when I get home. Now, I eat the skin of an apple, and uh, obviously you you use the rind of an orange. I've never tried eating a banana skin, but is there any value in eating the skin of a banana? Should we be eating it? And if we shouldn't eat it, why don't we eat it? I think the why we don't eat it is partly because it's quite tough it's quite difficult to eat and it tastes bitter and often that's a warning that you shouldn't be eating that thing does it do anything to your digestive tract if you attempt it though Uh, i think if you can get it down apparently it has um even higher levels of nutrients than a banana as a lot of fruit peel does Mm -hmm. um so it has uh fiber soluble and insoluble yes That's, that's good for the old bowel um it has potassium and tryptophan which increases serotonin release so sort of an antidepressant but whether you can absorb those nutrients as well from the banana peel as you can from the banana or other sources not something that has been studied that much and also of course there are places in the world as well where they eat the stuff that we habitually throw away Mm. here because we waste a lot of food here but apparently nowhere in the world has a great banana skin eating habit even monkeys throw the skin away. I've seen them. But monkeys will also eat the skin. Will they? I, I've not seen it. I imagine they'd use it for wiping the bum with or something. Or for pranks. Yeah, wiping your bum with it, then throwing it at a tourist or a cage. <laughs> Shining the silver. <laughs> Does that mean wanking? It doesn't mean wanking, Martin, but I suppose it could be. The way but, you said it was just a little glint in your Yeah, mind. I agree. And I think it's Shining quite a good the silver. Polishing, Polishing the, the silver crown jewels. Be better. So there are quite a lot of banana skin health fads, but none of them have really caught on. However, uh, apparently banana skin uh, is a good filter for heavy metals in water. You can use it for up to 11 times. If you're a survivalist, say. Okay. And you need to use... So Bear Grylls, once he's shat in a box and drunk it, he yeah. should be using a banana skin to make himself feel better or yeah. something. Yeah, wants to get the mercury out of his water, filter it with banana skins. Mm-hmm. It's funny how many desserts involve zest... Mm. and how many desserts involve bananas yeah and yet i've never heard of putting banana zest in anything because it doesn't taste nice and it doesn't right. lemon zest tastes lemony banana yeah. peel doesn't, oh, it doesn't taste, taste banana it's just got more nutrients it might have a lot of pesticides on it too. Right, there's yeah. also that have you seen that clip of richard blackwood on sunday brunch not knowing what lemon zest is no it's great i'd recommend it wow how does that go um well the presenter you know one of the lads can't remember what his name is uh he says anyway just said zest a lemon richard and you know he's doing that bit whilst he's talking about his career at the same time so he's like yeah i'm in eastenders now and he starts cutting the lemon in half and then the presenter says no no no, zest add the zest to it he goes yeah yeah, i'm just gonna cut it in half and then the presenter says no we need the zest and gives him a grater 
and Blackwood clearly doesn't know what zest means, but doesn't want to say on national television, so just proceeds anyway, thinking he can get away with it. Does he start grating the lemon's flesh? <laughs> I can't remember. I just remember it being very cringy. And it, you can imagine yourself in both positions. Yes. Like as the presenter not wanting to assume that he didn't know what zest was, and as him not wanting to admit that he didn't know what zest yeah. was, and just think he could write it out. If you weren't much of a cook, then I think it's quite feasible you wouldn't know what zest was. Mm, exactly. There's lots of words I've got to be an adult and not know what they mean. Mm. I don't know if this is a word I've learned recently, but I'm sure even in my 40s Love. I've been... <laughs> No. <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> I've got a question. Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Here's a question from Amy from Hackney who says, I was fortunate enough to enjoy a lovely evening at Casper's Restaurant at London's famous Savoy Hotel last week. Oh, lucky you. I enjoyed a meal at Casper's Restaurant at London's famous Savoy Hotel three years ago and then I vomited all night. Yeah, you've not been a fan ever since. Well, because I've had three experiences of the Savoy and all of them have been negative. Um, So, but you've never had the tea... Or the the steak, which are the things that the Savoy is arguably famous for. Okay, I'll save those. And the room is very beautiful that Casper's is in. So the three Savoy experiences I've had, that, the puking night, hosting the Women in Sales Awards, which was (laughs) a real low point. Not the Savoy's fault. It's not the Savoy's fault, but they didn't help. And going to a matinee of Legally Blonde, a musical with you. Which surely made up for everything. It was adequate. I think we both agreed it was adequate. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh... Amy enjoyed herself and says, As a side dish, we had creamed Savoy cabbage, which seemed fitting since we were indeed at the Savoy. Cabbage hotel. (laughs) Since the Savoy smells of cabbage. (laughs) So, Helen, answer me this. Is Savoy cabbage actually anything to do with the Savoy, or are they just messing with us? Well, they're not messing with you, are they? They're giving you the cabbage. No, but... What's the problem? the, The problem is, if the Savoy served up a side dish named after it if it wasn't named after it. It would seem a coincidence. Too extreme to countenance. Well, it is somewhat a coincidence. Don't believe it. It's too extreme to countenance, Ellen. You don't look like a countenance. I will not countenance it. Maybe they would have served a different cabbage if um, it hadn't been called Savoy. Well, I think that qualifies as messing with us. But it's not really. It's serving you a very good cabbage I st- out of the cabbages. I still think they've chosen it because it's called Savoy cabbage. But anyway, tell yeah. us the origins of the Savoy cabbage. Right, so the Savoy cabbage is named after the Savoy region, which is um, on the border of Italy, France and Switzerland, or uh, was. So is that what the Savoy Hotel is also named after? Yes, because so there was a ruling family of Savoy. The Savoy stands on what used to be their land. In 1246, Count Peter of Savoy uh, built the Savoy Palace on that site, And then it burned to the ground during the Peasants' Revolt in 1381. And then Henry VII bequeathed money for there to be a hospital for the poor built on that site, which, after a couple of hundred years, stopped running really as a hospital. Bits of it became a prison. And then what remained burnt down. Right. What's this got to do with cabbage? (laughs) I'm just telling the story of uh, what stands on the Savoy site today. Right, okay. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I was just... We're learning it's nothing to do with cabbage. Both the cabbage and... The ownership of the Savoy land originated in the Savoy region. Right. In 1880, Doilycart bought the site to build the Savoy Theatre, 
So, I didn't know the doily cart owned oh. the hotel as well as the theatre. The hotel was built to provide accommodation for all the people coming to see the operas at the Savoy oh, Theatre because it was so that. popular. Wow. Right, okay, I didn't know that. And to cash in on people coming to visit London, but that was one of the reasons to build the hotel. It's actually a bit like, you know, the Holiday Inn in Stratford. Is it? Yeah, because that was built for the Olympics, basically, wasn't it? Right. But here, the theatre existed before the hotel, which surprised me, because I assumed they built the hotel and then thought, yes, we've got I a thought massive so. basement. Mm. Yeah. But silly me. Of course, you wouldn't just build a massive basement and think, God, what are we going to put in this massive basement? <laughs> uh, fun fact I didn't know about the Savoy is that, you know, Bob Dylan's subterranean homesick blues yeah. video where he's uh, dropping the placards with the words on. That was filmed in an alleyway by the Savoy. No. Ah. And they filmed two other versions, one on the embankment by the Savoy and one on the Savoy roof. Huh. Oh. But I guess they chose the one in the alleyway because then he didn't look posh and they didn't want him to look posh. Yeah, it doesn't look posh. No. I assumed that was shot in New York or something. Yeah. And there's also the other fun Savoy fact, which is the little road, the Savoy Court that goes into the front by the theatre entrance is the only right-hand drive public road in Britain. I knew that fact. Anyway, nothing to do with cabbages. So uh, both the cabbage and the hotel have their origins in an area that's nothing to do with where the Savoy is now. Indeed. Right. And the Savoy Hotel is not named after the cabbage. It's just that the cabbage and the hotel are both named after the same region in which they have some origin. Okay. Are you happy with that? Oh, to be honest, it wasn't no. that satisfying. Like, like the, a meal of Savoy cabbages. Like the meal I had at the Savoy that made me puke. Yeah. No, it's not there that There was bad. something wrong with that chopped salad. No, it, it was as satisfying as an adequate matinee of Legally Blonde with an understudy playing the part. That's exactly okay. how satisfying it was. Right, uh, that seems fair. Well, here's a question from Samantha from Enniskill in Northern Ireland. It's about an institution that is, uh, I suppose, tonally a bit different to the Savoy Hotel. Uh-huh. Samantha says, well, he answered me this. What is the most expensive item in the Argos catalogue? Right. Yeah. You see, now you say different to the Savoy, and I don't think anyone would argue that there's many fixtures and fittings in that institution, which is now owned by Fairmont. It is, yeah. Which you can buy at Argos. But I think there's a bit of inverse snobbery about Argos. I'm fully on board with Argos. I'm fully on board. Like, I do choose generally John Lewis over Argos um, because the longer guarantee and the nice men in suit serving you. But. And women. By all means, I was just painting a picture with words, Helen. I wasn't discriminating. I happened to choose a man in that example. But. It is a fact that 70% of UK households shop at Argos. And yeah. so this business about like, oh, Elizabeth Duke jewellery, more like Elizabeth Puke. It's like, <laughs> well, don't shop there then. But you do because they generally sell reasonable goods at reasonable prices. It's just they also have some cheap shit. And if you want hinged clown earrings, where else are you supposed to get them? <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing the snobbery. That's the best place. I know. They also do own uh, Alba Bush as well. The uh, budget range of now smartphones as well as radios and tellies. You can buy a Bush smartphone. Okay. Which ain't going to be that smart, let's be honest. Ooh, ouch. Well... Well, I just, you know, I used to work in the returns department for Alba Bush, and let me tell you, it was a busy department. Um, but nonetheless, there are some quality items on sale in Argos. Well, because everything's on sale in Argos. Exactly. Inanimate I'm, things. I'm a fan of Argos. So anyway, I, I found this quite an interesting question. What's the most expensive item? Because actually, to be fair, as I say, they have a spread of goods. Yes. So I went looking on the website, and you can't search all products by price. Um, so I had to search by category. Okay, and there there are quite a lot of categories. The Argos catalogue is over a thousand pages. There are. It has like computational goods, it has garden furniture, TVs, towels. Sofas, that might be yes. quite an expensive item. Yeah. Beds. I'm thinking something electrical or maybe a really expensive Lego set. I went through anything that could plausibly be the most expensive category. God, if, you are diligent for this if, show. If you, if you work for Argos or you're a regular shopper there and you know that I've missed the thing, then do get in touch. Mm-hmm. But I think I've covered it, right? Right. Because I looked at... 
what is the most expensive product in the uh, wedding jewellery category? Uh-huh. What is the most expensive product in the garden, furniture, and lawnmower category? Mm-hmm. Mm. What is the most expensive product in the TV category? And what is the most expensive product in the designer men's watch category? So I think oh, that's covered good. the expensive bits. Did you mm. go for wedding jewellery because everything with wedding on it, the price is amplified by at least 50%? I did, indeed. Did you contemplate buying your new wedding rings uh, from Argos? I'm going to say something snobby. It's not fair, Argos. It's not fair on you. But of course I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've got the four answers here. Okay. So we're going to play uh, play your Argos right. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll name a product and you can tell me whether you think this is the most expensive thing okay. in Argos or whether the next category of product was more expensive. Okay. Okay. So which one would you like to start with? So you've got the men's watches, you've got the wedding jewellery, you've got the lawnmower, lawnmower. you've got the TV. The lawnmower. Yes. Okay, good choice. Thanks. Uh, MTD DC RN145, catchily named, great product, <laughs> tractor lawnmower. Ooh. So it's like a sit-on lawnmower. Ooh, that's... How much? Oh, f- I've no idea how much any lawnmower costs, so I'm going to guess... This is top of the range. Top of the range. Well, maybe yeah. 15 12, grand? 1200... Oh, really? Wow. Tractor. Very tiny, different answer. It's a tiny tractor, I was going to say 1200 quid. Martin says 1,200. Helen says 15 grand. You said top of the range. I was going to go for five and a half. buy a car for that. I was going to go for five and a half grand, but you said top of the range. But, is it, but it's Argos. But it's Argos. Okay, so it's, it's not top half. of the range at Harrods. Five, five and a half then. Five and a half grand. Okay. You could, buy, hmm. you could buy a car for five and a half grand, Martin, but this is a top of the range domestic tractor. So the most expensive tractor at Argos. <laughs> Two thousand four hundred thirty-nine ninety-nine. Oh, so I was a bit closer. You were closer, Martin. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. So there you go. So that's a benchmark for you. Two four three nine ninety-nine. Okay. Now, are the other product categories more or less expensive than that? Choose more. another category. Uh, TVs. TV. Okay. Mm. Are you going to say higher or lower than the tractor? The most expensive television in Argos is it more or less than two thousand four hundred thirty-nine ninety-nine? Are we talking just a TV on its own, or are you talking like full entertainment system, so TV with speakers and other shit? It does come with a free sound bar, but well, that is a promotional free, is it? offer. It's not free. It is free because the the price it's at now previously was advertised without the free sound bar. Okay. I think there's easily a TV in the Argos catalogue which costs five or six thousand pounds. So you're going to say more. Yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. And you're going to say, Helen? Well, now I'm torn. I was going to go for about two grand. Martin, what are you going to go for? Uh, I'm going to go for five. Okay. You're still sticking at two? Why not? Okay. I haven't got any real skin in this game. No. Unless I win the television if I get it right. <laughs> you're not going to win the television because you're shit at this. Martin was much better. Uh, it is the LG 75UH77V 75-inch supersized UHD 4K smart LED TV. Yeah. And the price is... £4,299. I think it's fine that I'm shit at this I'm not often buying high-end goods. That's absolutely fine, but people never said that on um, Sale of the Century, did they? It's fine that I'm not good at this. You've got (laughs) to play the game. I think it shows my anti-materialistic side. (laughs) So, more expensive than the lawnmower, right? Two categories left. You've got the Everlasting Love 18 Carat W Gold 1.00 CT Diamond Solitaire Ring. Uh Uh-huh. Or... The Belova Men's Precisionist Champlain Chronograph Watch. That is the most expensive man's designer watch in Argos. Bearing in mind, I've never heard of Belova as a brand. Hmm. That gives you some clue. I think those are both, both less than five grand. So you think the telly is the most expensive item? Yeah, I think so. I think the watch is more than the ring. No, you're wrong. <laughs> ah. So the cheapest item out of the four plausibly most expensive uh, is the man's watch. £299 is the most expensive wow. man's watch in August. Uh, okay. Okay. Which actually, that surprises me, because I think 
You can, even, really, you can really hose man they're idiots. Yeah, well, no, but even <laughs> even mid-market man, I think <laughs> he... It's like your brother. <laughs> who shops at Argos and wants a treat for Christmas from Argos, I think he would look at the spread of prices and say, well, that one. Mm. So I think I'm surprised Argos doesn't have, you know, a £550 yeah. Tommy Hilfiger watch. So that middle market man can say, oh, well, I'll go for the one that's 300 quid. Well, also 300 quid for a brand that maybe it's because we're not watch aficionados that we weren't familiar with. Like 300 quid is quite expensive for a watch. Yes. But it's not expensive for an expensive watch because those run into the thousands and yeah. tens of thousands. Yeah. So probably people would be more willing to spend 300 quid on, on a Tommy Hilfiger watch or a brand that they'd heard of, right? Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you're buying an expensive watch in Argos. I'm just surprised you can't get a posh Timex in Argos. Like, obviously you're not mm. going to get a Rolex. Okay, so therefore, all that's left is the engagement ring, right. diamond solitaire ring. Mm-hmm. Is that? I've told you it's more than the watch. How many carats was the diamond again? One. One, one. carat. It, it says 18 CTW gold, right. 1.00 CT diamond solitaire ring. So the diamond is one carat. I'm not up on current the, the gold. Gold, gold is 18 carat. carat, yeah. Yeah. So is that going to be the most expensive item in Argos, or is the TV still going to be the most expensive? No, that's not going to be more than a couple of thousand pounds, I don't think. A couple of thousand pounds. Yeah. Maybe 2,500 at a push. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go for similar. Okay, well... Martin's really good at this. Oh, you've um, been reading I'm the Argos catalogue, haven't you, Martin? I, I used to love reading the Argos catalogue as a kid around September, like, oh, what could I get for Christmas? This is what happens when you grow up in the Midlands. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I used to do that too. Yeah. The engagement ring is £2,999, so oh, three grand. A bit more. So bit it more is, than I thought, it is yeah. pretty much the most expensive thing in Argos, but it is beaten by the four grand telly. Okay, mm. well, that's good to know. So, there you are. so I suspect the most expensive thing in the Argos catalogue at the moment is the LG 75UH775V 75-inch Super UHD 4K smart LED TV. Right. With free soundbar. But I could be wrong because I couldn't be bothered to check every category. It is possible there's a child's underwear selection that is more than that. But it seemed unlikely to me. 50,000 pairs of underpants. <laughs> anyway, which clip are we playing this week, Helen, for our intermission? I thought it'd be fun to hear a little bit of episode 190 because that was the day oh, that John Ronson came to John visit Ronson. bearing oh. anecdotes. And then a man pulled up in a car and he said the funniest thing I'd ever heard. We never found out what that thing was. (laughs) Yeah, so the first 200 episodes of Answer Me This are available through our bespoke website, answermethisstore.com. And they include special guest appearances, uh, but this probably, I think it's fair to say it's our favourite, isn't it? Apart from our families, as I was talking about the other week, this one. He rose to the occasion brilliantly. Oh my God. Mm. He's excellent. Strongly recommend John Ronson on your comedy podcast. And here he is. Uh, it's a question from Luke from Norfolk who says, answer me this, John, are Helen and or Ollie psychopaths? Based on what you've learned today. Uh, do you want to know a couple of the traits to look out for? Go on. Please. Uh, lack of empathy, lack of remorse. I can't imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no embarrassment about that. What else? Grandiose sense of self-worth. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who... who does a podcast has a certain amount of grandiose sense of self-worth and vanity yeah inle- hey, we don't make you listen to it john yeah. <laughs> unless of course you know like like a lot of other people your your need for for you know podcasting comes from a place of uh, social anxiety no 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 it no. comes from the fact that god spoke to me in my sleep and told me <laughs> it was the right thing to do for the world well you've definitely you've got glibness superficial charm ah, <laughs> we've established Winning. that mm. uh, uh the one i've got in spades uh is um, uh, a need for stimulation proneness to boredom mm. that's surely common to people that aren't psychopaths you have to have 15 of the 20 of these things okay mm. uh, poor behavioural control so you, uh, are you, are you la- 
likely to just jump out and attack Well, as Ollie said to you, uh, John, before we started recording, that if you hadn't been here, we would have just farted right in front of everybody. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very poor. No, but that showed control, control because I said I, I didn't do yeah. it because John's here. But then you also said, if you fuck up, I'll kill you. <laughs> Hi, Helen and Ollie. This is Joe from New York City. I've just realised that every verse of the Bee Gees song, Staying Alive, ends with the phrase... You know it's all right, it's okay, I'll live to see another day. We can try to understand the New York Times' effect on man. Helen and Ali, answer me this. What does that thing about the New York Times mean? Okay, so a lot of people have, over the years, wondered what the Brothers Gibb were asking about the New York Times, the newspaper. I'd never observed this lyric before. No. And I think they weren't asking anything about a newspaper. Uh, it, it, the movie Saturday Night Fever is about an epoch, if I may use an upper-class word to describe an era, a generation, a time shift. Couldn't you just say era? I could have, since but you've I... used epoch as a synonym. <laughs> it's a sound posh. <laughs> no, but it, I suppose what I mean is they were trying to write the soundtrack to the film that would prove defining of the decade. Yeah, disco mm. and its whole movement and da da da. So mm-hmm. the phrase "the New York Times effect on man" is a pun on the fact that there is a newspaper called the New York Times. Mm-hmm. But they do mean the times in which we live in New York and their effect upon mankind. It's just that doesn't scan very well. Travolta can't dance to that. So in those three little words, they are just alluding to the cultural influence of New York at the time, globally. Yeah, or just, in fact, um, you know, here's a story about someone living in New York. Let's see what the effects of that are upon him. I don't think it actually (laughs) means anything more than that. It's just that because they use that clever phrase, you know, it's a bit like, to, to pick a a less um, celebrated example. Mm. It's a bit like that Lily Allen song where she says, I look in the sun and I look at the mirror. Yeah. You know, and she's talking about the sun in the sky and the mirror on the wall, I but it's ne- obvious that I she's talking about tabloids. I what she was talking about in The Fear. <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. But then I didn't realise that Aslan was a metaphor for Christ until I was 20. Did you really not realise it just now? That that's a double I didn't, meaning. You've really wow. enlightened me. Thank you. Good Lord. What else don't I know? It's a comment on celebrity culture, Helen. It's a comment on puns about newspapers <laughs> in, in songs. I'm just oblivious to them. Well, because people have wondered this for years, there are inevitably, with a film of that status, theses that have been written about this. Mm. Um, and there is um, a writer who has academically written about the fact that throughout the film, you see lots of shots of the New York Times each morning appearing on the doorstep of, Steph- of Stephanie, the character. Right. Now, she lives in New York, so I don't think that really means anything. I think it just happens to be that she gets a newspaper because it's 1977. And also, it's just reiterating the New Yorkiness of it all, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I read an interview with Barry Gibb in Q this month, because mm-hmm. he's got a new album out, and he was talking about, obviously, the old stuff, because that's what people are interested in. <laughs> um, and he said that they hadn't even watched the movie when they wrote the songs. Even though wow. it's an iconic soundtrack they roughly knew that it was a film about John Travolta dancing, but they didn't know the story. <laughs> it's, it's barely about that. I'm, I haven't watched it since I was a teenager, but I remember watching it thinking it, there wasn't that much dancing and it seemed very bleak. It is quite bleak. I mean, it's a bit thin, being honest. I mean, I think if you took the soundtrack away from it, mm. it loses a lot. Is the dancing good? There's not loads of it, is there? Uh, there's kind of two or three key scenes where there's some quite good dancing, yeah. I mean, I, I'm certainly not in a position to slag off John Travolta's dance work. Um, but I'm not really generally a fan of dancing anyway. The, the in-laws have tried to get me to watch Strictly this series, and I've I've sat there and I've I've had the screen in front of me, like with any sport, but it just doesn't really go in. I think that's fair, because that's a very particular thing that they want you to opt into. Yeah, but they always say to me, like, oh, but you love theatre, Ollie. You love going to musicals, so this is like that. No, it isn't, because it doesn't have a plot. 
And also, when I'm sitting in a theatre, I just get overwhelmed by the spectacle of it and carried yeah. away with the story. I'm not actually analysing each lift and turn and marking it out of ten. Have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? I love Napoleon Dynamite. Well, how do you feel about the climactic dance sequence in that? <sighs> okay, I'm being honest... I felt it was trying a little bit hard to be culty. I thought the okay. rest of the movie was absolutely pitch perfect, and that I found a little bit try hard, but, but it still, came it's an out amazing nowhere. film. Yeah, yeah, it's good, right. it's great, yeah. but I didn't love it for the dancing. Let's put it that way. What about Black Swan, that's, that's a good dance movie. No, yeah. it isn't. It's not a good film, and it's not really a dance. <laughs> film. It's like a chorus line with lesbians. Black Swan is like Center Stage, which is a cheesy dance film, uh, but with body horror. Mm. I actually liked Black Swan a lot. Did you like the dancing? No. Right, I think I'm consistent on this point. I think you just want people to move practically, not expressively. That's the Ollie Man way. I got in the sack with my boss, now my boss wants to sack me. So I need a place online to put up my CV. I don't want to use LinkedIn, that's so unattractively needy. No, I don't want your invitation. Use squarespace.com to build your personal brand. Show off your achievements to every firm in the land. And while you're at it, inflate your salary by a few grand. You bought your boss's silence, who's gonna check? Thanks very much to Squarespace for sponsoring Answer Me This today. Yes, Squarespace make it easy for you to design beautiful websites, even if you've got a crap business. And no aesthetic sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's all drag and drop and templates and stuff like that. And it looks beautiful on uh, iPad and uh, whatever you want to look at the internet on. I don't know, a mirror with an embedded screen on it. Whatever you got. Oh, that's probably the next thing, isn't it? It probably, I'm sure it exists. Go to squarespace.com, take out a free trial. And if you like what you see, you can get 10% off by using our code ANSWER. Answer. Here's a question from Lee, who says, I recently had the unfortunate accident of beheading a rogue cockroach in my apartment yesterday. Mm. The shampoo bottle used to assail the offending insect lopped its head clean off. And to my horror, the headless body kept walking right along. How can a shampoo bottle knock anything clean off a body? The headless body kept walking right along indefinitely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as in, it may still actually be walking around in the dumpster I threw it in. I love it when Americans use the word dumpster. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's so much better than just big bin, isn't it? I met a Chinese person the other day who, uh, who's, who's called bin and introduced themselves as like the bin. <laughs> like, I, I, I've heard the name bin before. <laughs> well, I suppose it's a better reference than, you know, like Osama, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lee continues. Helen, answer me this. Is this normal behaviour for a beheaded cockroach? Or will I somehow regret having thrown out the first observed zombie roach? Well, there are actually an awful lot of headless cockroaches that have been observed and filmed for YouTube. Oh, right. Um, and in fact, there have been scientific studies of headless cockroaches, I think, going back 1962 and possibly even further. Um, and the head, uh, happenstance, can survive for several hours on its own as well. How do they know that the head... Oh, he can tell the body continues after life but what about the head do they ask oh, it questions it, it's it, it's still waving around its um feelers antennae and the head only lasts a few hours uh according to experiments whereas the body can last for weeks until it dries up or starves or thirsts to death does it have a nervous system does it have a brain yes it doesn't need its head because it has um nerve tissue in all of its different segments it's it's apparently worse at remembering stuff and it's amazing to me they can test the memory of cockroaches <laughs> at all um and it's a lot more docile without the head uh -huh. um but it can still react to touch it can still stand and walk around as as lee has found cockroaches spend 75 percent of their time resting so 
being headless it's not affecting their dominant activity and they don't breathe out of their mouths either each of those segments that has the nervous tissue in as well uh, is able to respire wow and they don't need much food insects can survive for weeks without a meal Okay. And, they, and they don't need water at all, do they, insects? Because they produce, they get water from food, and they and they produce it by respiration. So, if you want to actually kill a cockroach, yeah, you know, sorry for being so cruel, but sometimes I just really don't want to kind of just nudge that thing along. Yeah. I want it to die. Is it best to squash it? You probably have to absolutely pulverize it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question from Meg, Hannah, and Sally from North Powys. Ollie, answer me this: Is there a Concord Two in the making? Because Concord 1 ended on a high. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are various reasons why Concord 1, as I suppose we're now calling it, if there might be a sequel, um, was withdrawn from service. And, and the one that sticks in the mind was the one that crashed, killing everyone on board. Um, but um, it was also the fact that bookings kind of dried up after yeah. 9-11. There's kind of a commercial reason. Um, and also that people were complaining about the noise levels because of Sonic Boom. Mm. So they could only really ever use it from London to New York because you're not flying over much property. Um, so it's not as simple as just they're dangerous that so they pulled it. There were a range of factors there. So there have been people saying, well, let's bring back Concord. Um, you know, it was, after all, quite cool. How long did it take to fly from London to New York? Um, I think theoretically an hour, but actually it was wow. never that. It was It was more like three hours rather than six or whatever yeah. but a commutable time almost yeah yeah exactly of course the truth is especially in london and new york the airports are not particularly convenient it's not the kind of thing we can just sort of walk in i think with concord they did try and make it because yeah. obviously you had very high worth clients they did try and make it they'd come and pick up your baggage from the hotel and all that kind of thing but even so you've still got to be there at least an hour before haven't you so that kind of immediately diminishes the advantage of the speed um but it's just cool to travel on it isn't it to think this is the fastest vehicle on earth i don't know i've never been um well well neither have i just um, getting into the character of someone who goes on the concord <laughs> yeah um but anyway the, the answer is sort of yes um, really there may be a concord too wow uh, last year airbus filed a patent for a concord like supersonic plane Gosh, but Airbus tend to make humongous planes. Yeah, and actually this one couldn't be more different because it only carries up to 20 passengers. Okay. Uh, whereas Concorde actually used to take 120. Right, so it's almost like they're inventing a private jet that goes really fast. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I think you can't really call it Concorde 2. No, because Concorde's a passenger jet. They were Exactly, they were operated by British Airways in this country and they were ludicrously expensive, but, you know something like three or four times the price of first class, not out of the reach of an ordinary person. Whereas this one sounds like 20-passenger private jet. Going to be costly. And it's basically going into space. Like, <laughs> if you look at the patent that they've put together, um, I'm still not decided whether it's patent or patent. Listeners, no one ever I'm told us for sure. Both. It operates by going up onto the edge of space, so you're high above conventional aircraft, mm -hmm. and therefore it can go even faster than Concorde used to. And they say now, this time it really will be an hour from London to New York. But it sounds Lying. terrifying. Yeah, it does a bit. <laughs> I think if it, yeah, if you can't watch more than the first episode of a box set, it's... what's the point of going on a plane? Exactly, you might as well take a boat. Yeah, is that another factor? If BA used to run Concord, and then they haven't been so flush with money in more recent times. Yes, and it's a risk uh, because you don't know you're going to get the clients. Yeah, and you have to operate a regular service. I mean, actually, so the, the more budget version than just waiting for Airbus to create a new vehicle, which will take 10 years by the time it's all authorised and everything, um, is to get together a Concorde club of enthusiasts. Right. You know, like you would with you know, the classic Ferrari club or whatever, and say, look, here we are. We're, we are, whatever, a thousand members of this club. 
we're all prepared to spend £5,000 for a ticket on Concord. Why don't we privately hire out old Concord and see it fly again? Uh, and there is a club that reckons it's now in a position to do that. Gosh. Um, but they would have to hire off BA yeah. the old Concord plane and fly it themselves. And so take they're all chartering the risk a particular plane. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. chartering for private use effectively. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Answer Me This. <sighs> That was me breathing out, a kind of relaxation of mm. reaching the end. It was contentment, wasn't it? <sighs> it wasn't a frustrated kind of, oh, when is this <sighs> going to end? It no. was like a, oh, <sighs> that was, I've achieved something today. <sighs> it wasn't all pointless, my life. Uh, no, it has, well, almost all of it has been pointless. <laughs> Just but, not this bit. This has been an enclave of Pointful for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Please do supply questions for the next enclave of Pointful. And uh, all of our contact details are on our website, AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Whereupon you can also find links to follow us on social media and down to the Answer Me This store where you can buy classic episodes of Answer Me This and our five unique albums. Christmas is coming. It is, yeah. the album's already there waiting for you. Answer Me This Christmas. It's a modern classic. We'll keep saying it until it's true. Uh, Remember (laughs) that we have other work on the internet as well. You can find Helen's podcast, The Allusionist, if you look hard and you know how to spell allusionist. (laughs) Yeah, or Zaltzman. I mean, that's that's enough of a sticking point for a lot of people. And uh, you can find the modern man. Man with two N's. Um, And Martin has a podcast too. Uh, Song by song. We haven't got time to talk about that. Song by song. And thank you to Squarespace again. Thanks, Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for paying attention. Please do join us again in a fortnight. Bye! Bye.